Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. All right, good morning, One Hope. Morning. Always a pleasure to see you guys and have opportunity to speak. As mentioned, I am Kalikas. I'm the young adult pastor. And every time I get the chance to share with you guys, man, it is so exciting. And so I'm so, so glad to be up here and to see all y'all's beautiful faces. Man, we are hours away from a brand new year, right on the other side of Christmas, one of our busiest, most demanding, most emotional, awesome holidays. How are you guys doing? I imagine there's probably a mixed bag of emotions in the room. Maybe some of you guys are kind of exhausted from what Christmas was, traveling and being busy with friends. Maybe some of you guys are feeling peaceful and restful. Y'all had an enjoyable, restful Christmas. There's probably some people who are just happy that you survived Christmas. Whatever the case may be, Christmas can be a lot, right? But we continue to observe it. Why? Because it is good. Christmas is great, man. As believers, it is wonderful for us to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus, and to spend time with our families and with our friends and enjoying good food and laughter. It's wonderful. And one of the most uh, exciting and coolest parts about Christmas is giving and receiving gifts, right? Especially good gifts, because let's be honest, not all gifts are great, okay? Not all gifts are great, and this is funny because I was reading uh, this article on some of the best and some of the worst gifts according to Americans, right? And y'all know every time I've come up here, I like to have fun with you guys, and so I want to share some of these items with you guys on some of these lists. There's going to be a list of gifts that aren't so great, and then a list of gifts that are great, and I want you guys to tell me whether y'all agree or disagree with these gifts, okay? So we're going to start with the list of not so great gifts, okay? Now, before we do that, I just want to preface by saying, if any of you guys gave some of these gifts, <laughs> I need y'all not to be offended, but if you are offended, it's okay. Y'all can come afterwards and shake my hand and then walk on over to Pastor Scott and share y'all's frustration with him because he's the reason why I'm up here. Okay? <laughs> All right. Y'all want to get into this. So it's going to be fun. So again, these are gifts that are not great. And I want y'all on the count of three, just tell me whether you agree or disagree that these are bad gifts. Here's the first one, cleaning products. (laughs) Cleaning products. Do we agree or disagree that this is a bad gift? One, two, three. Okay, agree. I think I've, you know, I don't think I've ever been given a cleaning product as a gift, but if I received it, I would be okay with it. Cleaning products are expensive, especially if you go to Target, right? Here's another one, romance novels. Romance novels. Do we agree or disagree this is a bad gift? One, two, three. Agreed, said all the men in the room. Listen, all the women said agreed, right? All right, here's another one. Diet plan and self-help books. <laughs> Do we agree or disagree this is a bad gift? One, two, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Merry Christmas. Here's a book on 10 ways to fix your life. Here you go, right? It's not good. That's not good. That's slightly offensive. Here's another one. Iron. And I do agree or disagree that this is a bad gift. One, two, three. Okay, a little mixed bag. I think I would. I think I would disagree. I love a good Iron Man. I'm the type of guy that, like, if I'm going to go stay in an Airbnb or somewhere, I'm going to look and see do they have an iron. And if they don't have it, I'm going to bring mine with me. I do not 
Do not deal with wrinkles, man. All right, one more. Slogan to oh snap. Now, before you answer, y'all better get me. Y'all better make sure y'all have the right answer for this. Do we agree or disagree that this is a bad gift? One, two, three. Come on, right? As long as it has that Bama. Bama represented. Alabama A. Roadside. That is a good gift. All right. So let's look at the good gifts. I don't think y'all are going to agree that these are good. I think I'm going to agree it's good. All right. Here's the first one. Money and gift cards. Money and gift cards. Do we agree or disagree that this is a good gift? One, two, three. Okay. Yeah, a little mixed bag there. I'm a sucker for a good gift card. Yeah, I love it. It's good. All right. Let's look at this one. The Stanley Tumbler. The Stanley Tumbler. Do we agree or disagree that this is a good gift? One, two, three. A mixed bag. I did not understand this. Who owns Stanley Tumblers in the room? Raise your hand. Look, she has hers lifted high. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing. Amazing, man. Yeah, I did not get on that bandwagon. I know people love them, though. It's great. All right, here's another one. Apple AirPods. Apple AirPods. Agree or disagree this is a good gift? One, two, three. Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves a good AirPod, man. That's awesome. Here's another one. Clothes and shoes. Clothes and shoes. Agree or disagree it's a good gift? One, two, three. Okay. Disagree. Disagree. Majority. Yeah, I get it. It's hard to try to pick good clothes for people. I understand. All right, here's the last one. Quality time. Oh, this is so sweet. Do you agree or disagree it's a good gift? One, two, three. Amen. Our time is our most valuable asset, right? And giving that away is a good gift. Okay, cool. Thanks for playing with the guys. So obviously, there's a difference between good and bad gifts, right? And we like good gifts because they can potentially bring value to our lives. And I use that word potentially very intentionally because it doesn't matter how great or wonderful a gift is. If we don't use it, then its value is kind of meaningless to us, right? And I'm sure you can think of times where you've had a good gift, maybe a gift card, right? And you forgot about it and you're super frustrated. Like maybe you went to Target or Target, right? And spent $60 on a thing of Clorox and a sponge and two rolls of paper towels because that's how much Target's going to charge you for it. And then the next day, you're shuffling through yourself and you see you got that Target gift card for $50 last year on your birthday, right? Forgot to use it. That's frustrating, right? So lame. But we're busy people, and we can be forgetful. And if something isn't super breathtakingly valuable to us, it can get overlooked, right? However, we're also people that if we truly see the deep value in something, we'll use it. We'll use it. And with that being said, there's a gift that I want to discuss with you guys today. One that we've been given by the creator of all things, and one that I think we can agree, especially here in our nation, that it's very underutilized. And that is the gift of rest. The gift of rest. Now, when you hear that word rest, and you hear I'm trying to say it, I'm trying to make it sound like, mm, right? But the word rest, how does that make you feel, right? What do you think about when you hear the word rest? Maybe you think about sleep, right? We all love a good night of sleep. Maybe throwing your feet up with your blanket and maybe your Stanley Tumblr and your romance novels, right? Maybe you think about 
going to the mountains or to the beach or going hunting early in the morning, right? That sounds nice. Yeah, rest maybe triggers some good feelings. For some of you, maybe thinking about rest maybe triggers some negative feelings, right? Some of you guys who are super into productivity, right, and working hard, maybe rest you associate with some idleness, right, or laziness. Or maybe if you're a mom or your dad and you have children, right, you have the never-ending job of raising kids, especially working parents who have double duty, right? Maybe rest invokes a negative feeling because it seems unavailable to you. There's never any time to rest, always someone or something grabbing for your attention. Maybe you're in a season of life where you have too much rest, right? We know what that's like when we were going through COVID, right? And we were just idle. That was horrible, right? And so maybe rest brings back some feelings of, of being in that season of COVID. But this, this gift of rest that I want to talk to you about today is the gift of biblical Sabbath rest. And it was created by God himself. And I think it's very different from our understanding of rest. So I want to talk about it. What is biblical Sabbath rest? Well, in order to understand that, we have to go to the Bible, all right, and explore God's word. And he's going to teach us, I think, not just about what biblical rest is, but what it's not. And he's going to teach us how it's a gift that if we allow it to work in our lives, it can bring a lot of value. And then we're going to talk about how we can apply this to our lives potentially. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. As always, you know, uh, the scriptures, they're going to be on the screen so you can follow along there as well. But we're going to be reading through a good bit of scripture, so I just need y'all to kind of zone in and and follow along with me. And we're going to start in the book of Genesis, which is my favorite book, where rest was first revealed. So go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 through 3. And as you are getting there, I'm just going to kind of set up what happens in the beginning of, of Genesis. So we see that the world was empty and formless, right? It was chaotic, totally out of order. And the Spirit of God began to move, and God begins to speak. He begins to create. And so he says, let there be light. And there was light. He separates light from the, from the darkness. He calls the light day, and the darkness he calls night. And this was the first day he creates time. The second day, he creates the sky and the land and the seas. The third day, plants and vegetation. And the fourth day, the stars and the moon and the sun. Fifth day, birds and fish. The sixth day, he creates land animals and mankind. And then we get to the seventh day. And this is where we pick up Genesis 2, 2 through 3. It says this, By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So we can see and we read here that God was busy working, creating day one, two, three, six days he was working. And then when he gets to the seventh day, he rests. Now, the Hebrew word for rest here is sabbat, which means to cease and desist, okay, to end or to stop. So he stops creating on the seventh day, and then he blessed it and made it holy. He set it apart, made it look different from all the other days of creating that he was doing. So in Genesis, we can see the first sample of what biblical rest is. Stop creating. Stop working. Okay. Also, we can see that this specific type of rest, this Sabbat rest, was formed into a wholly set-apart day of cease and desist. Okay? Does this make sense? 
follow along with me. All right, I'm going to fast forward through history. So human beings were created by God. They rebel against him. Sin is introduced, right? And then brings about the fall of mankind. But God in his goodness, he implements his plan of redeeming mankind by making a covenant with a man named um, Abram, who eventually is renamed Abraham and his descendants, the Israelites, through whom he's going to bring about the Messiah who will redeem all humanity. So it points to Jesus. These people end up in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. And then afterwards, God rescues them and brings them to himself through a man named Moses. Okay, And then he gives them a list of laws to live by, 613 of them. And the first 10 of them are known as the Ten Commandments. And one of the commandments is to remember the seventh day or the Sabbath day by practicing Sabbath, ceasing working, which points back to God and his original creation of, of working and resting. Y'all still with me? So we're going to read here in Exodus 2, 8 through 10, this commandment. It says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. Okay, this is what he tells them. He says, there's a rhythm to life that I desire for you to live. You can work for six days, but I want you to remember that there is a set-apart day called Sabbath, and on it, you shall stop laboring. You shall stop laboring. And as we continue reading in chapter 31, we get a more complete picture of God's intention for Sabbath and for rest. And this is really, really good. I love this. Exodus 31, 16 through 17. It says this, The Israelites are to observe, keyword, the Sabbath, create or celebrating it also key for generations to come as long as a lasting covenant it will be a sign between me and the israelites forever for in six days the lord made the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed was refreshed now what we need to see here god says six days you labor but the seventh day the day of rest is to be observed that's a key word which means to recognize it or and to prepare for it. And we understand this we just talked about christmas right and all the holidays that we observe that means that we recognize them and we prepare for them right all right and he says that this is to be celebrated so it's intended to be pleasurable and enjoyable Right? When we think about Christmas, we don't observe and prepare for Christmas to be this boring, like super lame thing, right? No, we fill it with, with food and with family and laughter and games, right? To be celebrated. Praise God, Jesus has come. And then at the end of the text, on the Sabbath, on the seventh day, it says that he was refreshed. Refreshed in Hebrew is nefesh which means to breathe or to exhale, and I love this. There's an author by the name of Wayne Muller who uses an illustration to de describe God's six days of working as a deep inhale, and on the seventh day, an exhale. Now, I want us to kind of just step away from like the academia of all this, right, and just try to understand this practically for a minute. Breathing is something that we all understand. It's something that we all do, right? Hopefully everybody in the room is breathing. 
And if you're not breathing, you need to let somebody know, okay? <laughs> but breathing is something that we all understand. When we breathe in air, it brings in oxygen, and our body produces carbon dioxide, and we breathe that out, okay? Everybody breathe in. Everybody breathe in together. Hold it. Now breathe out. Do it again. Breathe in. Hold it. Breathe out. Breathing is a pattern of inhale and exhale, and you have to do both. If you inhale and you don't exhale, guess what? You ain't going to inhale again. And really be tried. Everybody breathe in. Hold it. I'll try to breathe in some more. You literally can't do it, right? So we see the illustration here. When the Bible says that God was refreshed, it literally is telling us that this Sabbath rest is to be so refreshing to give us energy to continue to work. So you can work and work and work, but if you don't rest in a way that is refreshing, then your work is going to be poor. It's going to be shallow, just like trying to continue to breathe in after taking a big exhale. You'll eventually get burned out or get sick. You don't work at all. So I think this illustration can help us see the value in both working and resting, right? It was built into creation, and it's necessary for life to flow well. So we can receive this here. I want you guys to take note of this. God designed all of creation to operate in a healthy rhythm of work and rest. Work and rest. Six days you can work, but the seventh day you must rest, and rest in a way that allows you to continue to want to work. And as we continue reading, we can see what ends up happening with the Sabbath day. Because as we read this, we can see this picture, man. This is a beautiful gift that God has given us. We labor and labor and labor, but there's a day that we can look forward to that can be full of rest and give us life and energy, right, to continue to do that work. But if we fast forward to Jesus' time, the Sabbath morphed into something that was a gift designed to be celebrated and to be of worship and rest, and it turned into something that was burdensome and legalistic, right? And Jesus has to bring correction to this. In the book of Mark 2, 27 through 28, Jesus speaks on this, but the Pharisees, they are coming and attacking Jesus because he was picking grain so that he could eat on the Sabbath day. He was working, right? And so they start attacking Jesus, and Jesus says this. He says, then he says to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is even Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a gift of restoration for man to help us endure the trials of labor. It's a gift, and you are turning it into something that is burdensome to people. You have to do it this way, and you can't work, and, and Jesus is like, absolutely not. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. There was a huge misunderstanding of this in their time, and guess what, church? That misunderstanding still, it still applies today. It does. There was so much controversy and disagreement over the idea of the Sabbath. 
Was it just meant for the Israelites in the Old Testament, or does it apply to us today, right? Well, what day is the Sabbath? Is it on a Saturday, or is it on a Sunday? And what are the rules of the Sabbath? It's confusing and burdensome. I was having a conversation with someone when I was uh, when praying about this message, and she was telling me how when she was growing up, she would go to church on Sunday, and Sunday they considered it a Sabbath day, man, and you could not play, you couldn't do anything but go to church and be at church all day, and it was so burdensome to her that she eventually, like, looked forward to the day when she was going to leave her family. This is not the way that Sabbath is supposed to be viewed, this gift of rest, but that's what it's become, and I see this confusion about Sabbath as a deep distraction and a ploy of the enemy to keep us from enjoying the gift that is Sabbath and also to keep the church divided, man, because he loves that. He does not want us to be unified in this, and he wants us to be tired and exhausted and fight about these things. It's a mess. But I believe God wants us to receive today one hope, this truth. Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, right? He said that. And in the book of Mark 2.28, he refers to himself as Lord of the Sabbath. Why would he abolish something he referred to himself as ruler over? So here's the truth. As followers of Jesus, we are not bound to Jewish Old Testament laws. Amen. All, everything was fulfilled in Jesus. But it doesn't mean that we should ignore God's wisdom in his laws, right? When it comes to the Sabbath and the wisdom of biblical rest, what we need to receive is that Sabbath rest is not a commandment that we're bound to, right? But it's a gift that we're invited to receive and enjoy. And man, do we need this gift, church. Especially us here in America. Because working and resting is way out of balance. In America here, we value work, right? And work is good. God gave us six days to work. It's good, man. We love working. Why? Because it allows us to produce but the problem is that we put too much emphasis on working and, and being busy and not enough in resting. I know I don't have to convince you guys of this. I know there's a bunch of tired, overworked, overcommitted people in this room. You're tired. We have sayings like, I'll sleep when I'm dead, right? Or we call ourselves workaholics. There's not enough hours in the day, right? We say those things all the time. And every time we're asked how we're doing, we say, I'm good, just busy. Have you said that? I'm good, just busy, right? Busy working. We're so influenced by this culture of like work till you die, right? That we, we've gotten to the point where anytime there's a moment to stop, we feel guilty. We feel guilty, right? It's like, man, I need to be doing something. I can't just sit here idle. This is weird. We feel a little guilty about it. We are proficient at producing and deficient at recovering. And the result is that we are more exhausted, more worn out, more anxious, more depressed than we've ever been. This is true. But there's good news, church. 
Because praise God, he has given us this gift, this gift of rest. And it's not something that we're commanded to do, but it's an invitation. Hey, you can't stop because I am God. You don't have to continue to work and work and work to make these things happen because I will provide for you when you stop. When you stop, the sun still goes up and down. When you stop, the birds still fly, air still moves, life continues on. So you, my children, you can rest. You can rest, and you can do it in a way that's enjoyable and brings you life, brings you life. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, how, how, do, we, how do we do this, right? First, I think we need to increase our value in the gift of rest, right? Because we talked about how we value work. We value being productive, man, working our nine to five so we can put food on the table, a roof over our heads, provide for our families. Nobody needs to convince you that working is valuable. But if you don't come home and sit down at the table with your family under that roof, what's the point? If you don't eat that food that you spent all those hours working for, how will you have energy to continue to provide? Right? So we need to understand and value the gift of rest. And also, we need to redefine what rest is. Biblical rest is found in the Sabbath. This is what God teaches us. And Sabbath was a time to cease, to stop, right, from your normal activities and to refresh, to rest and worship. And it was observed for a full day. And I think there's some wisdom in that, right? Because, like, we, you know, we can have our times where we take some hours or maybe take half a day and we'll chill, right? But again, that guilt coming in of like, man, I need to be doing something. This is weird, right? It's uncomfortable to just sit here and not do anything, not to produce, not to produce. But God says, no, I don't, I don't want you to think about rest that way. I want you to think about this type of rest as refreshing to you, that brings you life, brings you joy, makes you want to continue to do what it is that I call you to do. So what does it look like to have a day of rest? What's well, going to look different for different people, right? Resting, a day of rest and worship is going to look totally different from someone like Scott Murphy or Taylor Smith, right, compared to someone like Lindsey Cook, right, or Mr. Mike Chambers. Everybody worships differently, right? And everybody is energized differently, right? We all find different ways of being restored and refreshed. For me, a day of, of Sabbath rest would look like waking up with my sweetheart, right? Spending time in the Word, maybe over some nice music, and then going and getting a latte. Man, I love coffee, getting a latte and just walking around maybe downtown or a river walk, right? And then maybe jumping in the car and throwing the top down and driving over to meet some of my friends for lunch, not thinking about all the obligations and all the work, right? And then maybe spending some time playing games with the cooks or hanging out at the pool with the Jensen's and just talking about the Holy Spirit and how good he is. Right? And then maybe going and having a nice dinner with my Kerstetter family. And then coming home and playing PlayStation 5, right? That, to me, that's, that is, there's rest in that, man. It's good. It's like, yeah, this is restoring to me. 
but that's me. What does this look like for you? What does rest look like for you? We have to define what this looks like. Here's another thing I think we need to know, too. We need to intentionally implement the gift of rest into our rhythm of life. This has to be intentional, because we all have our life's rhythms. We all move about life very differently. Some people are working every single day, right? Some people are super busy, running around with kids and doing all the things, right? As you think about this past year, does anybody feel like this year has just flown by, man? Somebody asks you, what did you do on, on Monday? Uh, I don't remember, right? Like, what day is it, right? Because we're moving all the time. This is true for us. And so we need to look and see, okay, how can we, as, as we're invited into this gift of rest, how can we incorporate this into our normal rhythms? I think we have to prepare for it, right? We have to literally look at our calendars and see what's happening and then find those places where we can have a Sabbath rest, a rest that is restoring to us and not just let work and cultural demands and people's expectation keep you so busy that you're exhausted and tired and you can't fully commit and do what it is that God has called you to do in your life. It's important for us to make intentional effort to do this. Think about Christmas, right? We observe Christmas every single year. And it doesn't just happen to us, right? We prepare for Christmas. We get our gifts ahead of time. We call. We make arrangements for it, right? We plan everything we're going to do for it. And then when the day comes, we enjoy it. It's the same thing when we observe this, this opportunity of Sabbath rest. We need to prepare for it, we need to plan for it, and do it in a way that is not burdensome, but a way that's going to bring you life. Because remember, God said this was restorative, right? It was beautiful to bring you life. We have to make intentional effort for this, church. I think it's important for us, especially going into this year, man. Like I said, we are hours away from a brand new year. Do we want to continue in these patterns of being burned out and being exhausted and always obligated to something, right? Or do we see the value in, man, I can produce more if I exhale. If I exhale, I can inhale, and that's a good thing. So let me, let me make this a valuable part of my life rhythm, and let me be intentional with this. Now, we've talked about this gift of Sabbath rest, right? And I think we kind of understand what it is now and what it isn't. Sabbath rest is not something that we are committed to do. It doesn't have to be on a specific day. It doesn't have to look a specific way, but it is a gift. It's something that God wants us to have to give us restoration in life, right? To continue to endure labor. And it's great. It helps us in our physical needs. But there's something else that I want us to receive in this gift of rest. Embracing Sabbath rest is good for us physically, right? It helps us. 
And church, I really, really want to emphasize, please do not go into this next year of life continuing in this crazy pattern of being crazy busy and super committed that we can't, you cannot enjoy your life or you're too tired to live out your calling. However, we must understand that the only reason why there's a need for rest is because life is hard and we live in a fallen world and we ourselves are fallen. And God gives us this moment of relief from labor. But church, God has given us also a gift of rest that is so much bigger than this temporary fix of physical exhaustion. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. What Paul is saying in here, what he's talking about is a rest that is deeper than physical rest or mental rest. And it's more fulfilling than even a, a day of Sabbath rest every week. This rest is rest in God and rest in God is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. You see, the reason why we enjoy working and labor is because it helps us feel like we're doing something, that we're contributing value to our lives and to the lives of others, right? But there is a rest that we ourselves can't provide. Rest for our souls. Rest from the burdens and the weight of living in a fallen world. And God has provided a rest in his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Abide in me, and I will give you rest, not just for your physical bodies, but rest for your souls. A rest that can exceed your expectations, a rest that will sustain you, not just in this life, but the life that is to come. And that rest is only found at the feet of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And the beautiful thing about this rest versus Sabbath rest, Sabbath rest comes, right? If we plan for it and we make it a part of our lives, it's something that I think we can look forward to, right? This whole day of, of enjoying and of, of worshiping God. But after that day is done, guess what? We got to go back to work. We got to continue to labor. But this rest that's found in the person of Jesus, this rest never ends. This rest will remain with you all throughout your life. It's an enduring rest. And the only thing that we have to do to get this rest. We don't have to plan for it. We don't have to prepare for it and do all these things, right? Jesus says, just come. Just come to me, and I will give you rest from your burdens, rest for your souls. 
And this rest that's found in Jesus is available for you today. It's available for us right now. So let's stand together, church. The gift of rest is a wonderful thing and it's something that we're invited to receive. I want to encourage you guys, as y'all leave here today, maybe talk to your family or maybe look at your schedule and see, okay, yeah, like I, I see this as a good thing. Maybe we could talk about how we can incorporate this in our lives. But remember that this rest is temporary. There is a rest that's found in the person of Jesus. And if we come before him, lay our burdens down, he will give us a rest that is everlasting and totally sustaining. All we have to do is come. Because Christmas was great. Our lives, there are great moments, man, but this life is hard. It's hard. It's difficult to be a single mom and to try to take care of your kids. It's difficult to own businesses and try to be responsible for everything. It's difficult to be in marriages and have to be rubbed with each other in your, our sin nature, right? It's difficult to be in community with each other. It's difficult, this life, to see our loved ones pass away, to feel like there's no purpose, to feel like we ourselves aren't valuable and work is the only thing that makes us worth something. And all that stuff is a lie because you have purpose and you have a Savior that loves you, that calls you sons and daughters and who is standing before you saying, I am here. Come bring your burdens and lay them at my feet and receive my rest receive my rest. So we're going to take the opportunity to do that today, church. So everybody, let's just bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's just take a moment to breathe, and breathe out, and just be present in this moment. Let's release ourselves of all the busyness of what we're about to do, of the New Year's and all the plans and the obligations and everything that we have going on. And as we worship and as you speak and pray to God, allow your burdens to be laid at his feet and receive God's rest that's available for you. Not just for today, but for the enduring of your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for this gift of rest. We thank you, God, that you are a father that loves us, that wants us to endure and enjoy life. And we thank you that you didn't just give us a gift that is temporary for our physical bodies, but you gave us a gift to set our souls free, to make us new in Jesus. And so, Father, we release to you our burdens, and we worship you, and we receive the gift that is your son and his presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com. 
for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.